0: welcome this is the one-year Bible reading for March 3rd and we are beginning today in Leviticus chapter 27 verse 14 and we will be moving right into numbers if someone dedicates a house to the Lord the priest will come to assess its value the priest's assessment will be final whether high or low if the person who dedicated the house wants to buy it back he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20% then the house will again be his If someone dedicates to the Lord a piece of his family property, its value will be assessed according to the amount of seed required to plant it—fifty shekels of silver for a field planted with five bushels of barley seed. If the field is dedicated to the Lord in the year of Jubilee, then the entire assessment will apply. But if the field is dedicated after the year of Jubilee, the priest will assess the land's value in proportion to the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. Its assessed value is reduced each year. If the person who dedicated the field wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%. Then the field will again legally be his. But if he does not want to buy it back and it is sold to someone else, the field can no longer be bought back. When the field is released in the year of Jubilee, it will be holy, a field specially set apart for the Lord. It will become the property of the priests. If someone dedicates to the Lord a field he has purchased, but which is not part of his family property, the priest will assess its value based on the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. On that day, he must give the assessed value of the land as a sacred donation to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field must be returned to the person from whom he purchased it, the one who inherited it, as family property. All the payments must be measured by the weight of the sanctuary shackle which equals twenty geras. You may not dedicate a firstborn animal to the Lord, for the firstborn of your cattle, sheep, and goats already belong to him. However, you may buy back the firstborn of a ceremonially unclean animal by paying the priest's assessment of its worth plus twenty percent. If you do not buy it back, the priest will sell it at its assessed value however anything specially set apart for the lord whether a person an animal or family property must never be sold or bought back anything devoted in this way has been set apart as holy and it belongs to the lord no person specially set apart for destruction may be bought back such a person must be put to death one-tenth of the produce of the land whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees belongs to the lord and must be set apart to him as holy if you want to buy back the lord's tenth of the grain or fruit you must pay its value plus twenty percent count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the lord as holy you may not pick and choose between good and bad animals and you may not substitute one for another but if you do exchange one animal for another then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back these are the commands that I, that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. And we're moving into Numbers now, so I'll give you that background. Only a year has passed since the exodus from Egypt when the book of Numbers opens. Numbers, the book of divine discipline, shows the painful consequences of unbelief and irresponsible decisions on the part of God's chosen people. Numbers begins with the old generation, chapters 1 through 12, and moves through a tragic transition period, 13 through 20, and ends with the new generation, chapters 21 through 36, poised at the doorstep to the land of Canaan. The book contains the records of two generations, two censuses, and two sets of instructions for enjoying the land of promise. God's love is kind, but it can also be severe. His people must learn they can move forward only as they trust and depend on him. A year after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai. On the first day of the second month of that year, he said, From the whole community of Israel, record the names of all the warriors by their clans and families. List all the men, twenty years old and older, who are able to go to war. You and Aaron must register the troops, and you will be assisted by one family leader from each tribe. These are the tribes and the names of the leaders who will assist you. Reuben, Elijah, son of Shadur. Simeon, Shelmuel, son of Zerisadai. Judah, Nashon, son of Amminadab. Issachar, Nathanel, son of Zewar zebulun eliab son of helon ephraim son of joseph uh, Elishama, son of amihud manasseh son of joseph gamaliel son of petazur benjamin Abidan, son of gideoni dan ahizer son of amishadai asher pagiel son of okran gad Eliseph, son of Deul and Naphtali Ahira son of Enon these are the chosen leaders of the community the leaders of their ancestral tribes the heads of the clans of Israel so Moses and Aaron called together these chosen leaders and they assembled the whole community of Israel on that very day all the people were registered according to their ancestry by their clans and families The men of Israel who were twenty years old or older were listed one by one just as the Lord had commanded Moses, so Moses recorded their names in the wilderness of Sinai. This is the number of men twenty years old or older who were able to go to war, as their names were listed in the records of their clans and families. Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, 46,500, Simeon, 59,300, Gad, 45,650, Judah, 74,600, Issachar, 54,400, Zebulun, 57,400, Ephraim, son of Joseph, 40,500, Manasseh, son of Joseph, 32,200, Benjamin, 35,400, Dan, 62,700, Asher, 41,500, Naphtali, 53,400. These were the men registered by Moses and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, all listed according to their ancestral descent. They were registered by families, all the men of Israel who were 20 years old and older, older and able to go to war. The total number was 603,550. Now we see here a census that is requested really um, by the Lord. Other times censuses were prohibited so this was very important because the promised land would be divided according to the number of each ancestral tribe and of course they needed to battle the nations going there so this census was very important. But this total did not include the Levites for the Lord had said to Moses do not include the tribe of Levi in the registration. Do not count them with the rest of the Israelites put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant along with all its furnishings and equipment they must carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings as you travel and they must take care of it and camp around it whenever it is time for the tabernacle to move the Levites will take it down and when it is time to stop they will set it up again but any unauthorized person who goes too near the tabernacle must be put to death Each tribe of Israel will camp in a designated area with its own family banner, but the Levites will camp around the tabernacle of the covenant to protect the community of Israel from the Lord's anger. The Levites are responsible to stand guard around the tabernacle. So the Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, What are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the, peop- the people all around him were shouting, praise god blessings on the one who comes in the name of the lord blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor david praise god in highest heaven so jesus came to jerusalem and went into the temple after looking around carefully at everything he left because it was late afternoon then he returned to bethany with the 12 disciples the next morning as they were leaving bethany jesus was hungry He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs, but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat of your fruit again, and the disciples heard him say it. This is really a um, prophecy or or a statement on the nation of Israel that looked so full of promise, and yet there was no fruit to be found. When they had arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves." When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him, but they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed by his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has, had, has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Proverbs ten twenty three. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. And to end, we have the very last word on these Psalms of Ascent from Selwyn Hughes. And it is based on Jeremiah 12:1 through 17, which says in verse five, if you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? We have seen in our meditations on the Songs of Ascents that each Psalm describes an aspect of the life of the spiritual traveler that needs to be carefully considered indeed sung about as we move along the pilgrim way these aspects once again are renunciation being kept worship service deliverance security joy work contentment perseverance hope childlike trust obedience unity and praise i cannot guarantee you in the days that lie ahead a new set of circumstances there will be many difficulties to face no year has ever passed which did not bring them and if there were such a time it would be debilitating to our soul but what I can guarantee is this as you learn to sing these songs and keep ever before you the truths they underline you will find faith and hope growing steadily in your heart William Faulkner says of these Psalms they are not monuments but footprints a monument only says at least I got this far while a footprint says this is where i was when i moved again the poet susan Lenskys puts it beautifully when she reminds us how grateful we ought to be that the pilgrims who have gone before us have left faithful footprints and the lilting strains of summit songs rehearsed along the way the world in which these 15 psalms were sung remains in some senses unchanged the pilgrim's struggles are our struggles Their problems are problems, but we have the same songs to sing, songs of deliverance, songs of joy, songs of hope. My brother, my sister, sing them well. Father, we realize as the old hymn puts it, we are marching upward to Zion. It is an uphill climb and an arduous task, but we have songs to sing that can cheer our way, songs that others have sung before us. Help us to sing them well. In Jesus name. Amen. Sing well today, my friends. Love you all. Have a beautiful day.